Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. This is Neil McMillan, inviting you to join me for Pulse of Politics every Sunday evening at 8 o'clock on Otago Access Radio. I'll be bringing you 30 minutes of interviews, conversation and commentary on issues that matter. That's Pulse of Politics, Sundays at 8 on Otago Access Radio, 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. It has been said that what is good for Maori is good for New Zealand. It's a term that's long resonated with the Maori Party, and with an election looming in September, it's appropriate we should be speaking this week with party co-leader, former MP and Cabinet Minister, the Honourable John Tamahiri, whose mission is to once again break Labour's hold on the Maori electorates in Parliament. And John's on the phone, and it's a real pleasure to welcome him to the programme. Tanakwe John. John, it is indeed a pleasure because we've previously had contact in Parliament when you were a minister during Helen Clark's term, and Time has moved on, but you've continued to exert a strong influence on Maori issues. Uh, you're contesting Tamaki Makaura, and your co-leader, Debbie Naurewa-Paka, is standing in Teitai Anara. Whoops, I haven't pronounced that correctly. You might help me there. Teitai, how do I do Yeah, literally, old Western Maori seat. Thank for the for the benefit of listeners in other parts of the country, you might define these electorates and what makes them special. Well, okay. Well, Taitokiro, um, like, like all electorates, uh, <clears throat> they're chosen um, as best the electoral commission can determine on um, proximity of uh, characteristic population and other things that come into play. So Taitokiro is. Um, the one of the seven seats. It's the Northern Māori seat. It runs from North Shore, the North Shore in Auckland, all the way up to uh, Cape Reinga. Um, so that's Kaitokarau, that's the Northern seat. Tāmaki Makaura, very tight seat, uh, 25 minutes either way across it. Um, and that's um, the seat I'm contesting. South of me is the Waikato Mangapoto Hauraki seat, which is um, <coughs> takes up the middle of the island uh, up to um, just south of Taumaranui. And then uh, Ikaroa Rafati uh, runs from a place called Portaka, which is Cape Runaway, mm-hmm. uh, all the way down all the way down to Wellington. And then on the other side of the island, uh, Te Tai where my co-leader um, is running, uh, that's the old Western Māori seat. It runs from, uh, again, south of Taumaranui all the way down to Wellington. Uh, and then you've got Te Tai Tonga, which runs uh, from Porirua, from Porirua south, uh, all the way down to the Chatham Islands uh, and into Stewart Island. And that's how the seven seats um, are defined in the Māori world. Mm. John, you've had many roles over the years, and most recently CEO of the Whanaora Commissioning Agency. Tell us what that's involved. We... Um, were able to win a contract that allowed us to self-design through those seven electorates 
a final order uh, commission in place. What, what does that mean? That means that uh, if we purchase anything, um, you have to prove that the dollars are expensed for a positive outcome. You just can't have social workers, um, <coughs> mental health workers, being paid, turning volumes over, um, and not making a change in the people's lives that uh, they've been paid to work with. So Final Order has developed a, a world-leading infometric system. That system is uh, being sold into um, Atlanta, Georgia, to the largest uh, Afro-American social service agency there, and we've just sold it into the um, American Native Indian groupings, uh, and that contract starts within the next two months. That intermetric system is extraordinarily important because um, it, it measures uh, the deployment of resources and can quickly tell us to pivot if we're not getting um, the right response for them. So we're the only agency in the country that can give um, an in-time, uh, on-time view of the deployment of all our workers across the North Island, uh, what they're doing, who they're working with, and what they're working on, uh, and that's week to week. So um, our managers up and down the country, um, our funders up and down the country, uh, um, have for the first time an, uh, an agency that is <clears throat> able to measure uh, the hum- cost of the humanities side of our budget, which is huge, health, welfare, education, justice. Uh, and so we're real happy about that. Radio New Zealand recently uh, said that you'd had the foresight to source and purchase bulk supplies two weeks before the lockdown. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we, we um, are now, because of our ability to have uh, research data analytics um, and the like, uh, we, we ran models. We didn't need the Ministry of Health to tell us things. We, we, we ran our own modelling. <clears throat> That modelling suggested that um, COVID was coming on shore, that we were deeply um, ill-prepared for it, from uh, respirators through to uh, test swabs. Um, you know, and, and our health system got overwhelmed every winter with standard influenzas. So what we had to do is get out of the gate really quickly to upgrade our um, community's sense of hygiene amongst themselves because when... When the average income into a Māori house is around $28,000 a year, they don't put hygiene products um, <clears throat> in the basket at the um, grocery store uh, because it's a luxury item. Now, they, put, they put basic items in there. So what we had to do is uh, upgrade their sense of hygiene and make themselves to protect, one, themselves, but two, the wider community. And so we, as at the end of this month, we will have delivered 300000 uh, packs up and down the North Island, uh, and uh, 78% of all those packs land in a family uh, that is earning under $40,000 a year, 78% of those packs, um, and just on 68% of those people are on benefits of one sort or the other. So what that tells you is, is that our targeting, targeting and our delivery is a pinpoint in accuracy to those that are deserving of the need rather than um, middle-class capture mm. of social services. Mm. That's mm. quite an achievement. You have a reputation as an achiever. What has given you the most satisfaction in recent times since you left Parliament? Well, believe it or not, COVID um, has many... Look, every cloud has its silver linings. 
And when you work in vulnerable communities, as I have for the last 35 years, um, we, we see things that others never pick up and, and see. What we saw was um, thousands of regulators going into uh, isolation. And then um, our organisations had to stand up and be tested for the first time in clean air, clean oxygen. And what the final order groups did is they stood up. Uh, <clears throat> they, they packed out thousands of packs because we, we couldn't pack them out of Auckland. So we had to distribute them up and down the whole island. Mm-hmm. So we, we had to set up a totally new distribution system that was set up in seven days. Hundreds of thousands of packs. Uh, as I said, uh, have been delivered, built up uh, in different areas. And in those boxes, there have been all sorts of different offerings. So dependent on um, iwi contribution or other contributions, food with the hygiene um, and warm clothing and the like um, has been provided. So mm. so the biggest the biggest uh, uplift I've ever had in my life, really, has been to see... Uh, every one of our communities that are rural, provincial or urban um, stand up and firstly target our elders uh, that's uh, anyone over 60 mm. and uh, in Auckland there's 24,700 of them uh, elsewhere we've got our numbers so we knew where they uh, lived and reached out to them to support them and then uh, the next one was with um, young children Politics has has been a a driving compulsion because last year you campaigned for Auckland's mayoralty. What motivates you? Oh, change. Um, We've got systems that were built 12,000 miles away um, that are no longer fit for purpose and we continue to um, maintain them as a cultural reality when in fact they don't work in the modern world. And I'll give you an example. Um, money is voted from Parliament to the Ministry of Health. It deducts 25%. It then passes 75 cents in the dollar um, onto, um, uh, onto others, like DHBs. The DHBs then pass them onto PHOs. The PHOs then pass the money onto doctors' clinics. By the time uh, um, um, a Māori or other person walks into that clinic, all of their money has been expensed on middlemen, clipping the ticket all the way through, and then they have to pay a co-payment. Now, I, I just don't believe the choke points around um, uh, doctors' clinics are a worthy way of running primary health care anymore. I think paramedics, or no, I don't think I know this because we're deploying it right now, paramedics and practice nurses who deserve greater pay because they carry the big load of the health system anyway, mm-hmm. um, can do a lot more work. All I, all I want my GP to do is be a quality assurance person uh, identifying um, through a scan um, of the authenticity and the quality of the calls being made on my front line. What that does is it drops access to health, uh, it drops the cost of health, and I can get pharmaceuticals delivered free of charge within 24 hours anywhere in Auckland because we just e- we, to, we, we email we digitally shift the script to a, a pharmaceutical warehouse that makes them up and then delivers them. And it's just an incredible flattening of people in queues and stopping people clipping one another's tickets but delivering a heightened level of care uh, at a far more efficient way. 
Mm. John, let's go back to that expression we used at the outset. What's good for Maori is good for New Zealand. It's been made several times in the past on our programs by Te Uruoa Flavel, who now I think is at Waikato University. We've also had a previous rapport with Tariana Turi and Peter Sharples, whose original focus was on the foreshore and seabed, but time moves on. What's the focus for the Maori Party these days? Lifting uh, the performance of our people to become far more positive and progressive citizens. Now, um, the problem we have is that there are so many agencies being funded off our failure. It's like Economics 101. It's a, um, it's, it's a chicken and egg situation. So what we need to do... <coughs> is to ensure that uh, any dollars that are expensed into our communities for them are delivered by a design that we approve and accept that will work. And the reason why uh, a lot of the money being expensed at the moment doesn't work, uh, it's delivered by non-Māori to Māori, and if we fail, it's the Māori that fails rather than the service provider, right? That just has to change, and we have to stop that. So the default proposition is, we make up over 50% of the prison population in both female and male. The, the brutal, crude, heavy-handedness of a criminal justice system to manage uh, the brown population of this country is just a deficit model, and we have to think far more affirmative uh, and, and, and far more supportive of this. Uh, uh, the last administration was going to spend $2 billion on a prison. Right? Now, why, why would you go down the... Spending billion, you know what it costs. It costs the cost of running the prison service for two years in New Zealand is more than all the treaty settlements that have been paid out today. Mm. I'll, I'll just I'll just make that number again. The cost of running the prison service in this country for two years is more than all the treaty settlements that have been paid out to date. Now that's a disgrace, and we what we've got to do is invest in lifting performance of families and the people in them rather than taking a punitive approach to punishing them for failing. Mm-hmm. And, Listen, that, and that lists Māori potential, doesn't it? Therefore, it lists the nation's potential. Yeah. Listen, so we're speaking with John Tamahiri, co-leader of the Māori Party. John, what will be the main planks of Māori Party policy this coming election? Uh, we, we will be releasing our first major policy um, at Hawaii Wanchi where the Māori Party was founded up here in West Auckland. Um, on the 20th of this month, and um, you, you'll be uh, in, interestingly surprised at um, the clarity of them uh, and how quickly they will work in turning around uh, what we've got in this country at the moment, two classes of citizens, first class non-Māori, second class Māori. I, I say that solely on the basis of fact, up on income, on education, on welfare, on health, on housing, Everywhere you go, um, you, you, we just can't get away from being locked um, into the bottom end of society in the land of our ancestors. John, that, that awful word racism has loomed large in recent times, particularly with the dreadful events we've seen in America. To what extent might this apply still in New Zealand and in what ways? Um, well, it goes everything from having a Māori name when you're going to rent a house. One third of all Māori, one third of all Māori every three years is on the move, churning, looking for um, a, a, a place of habitation that can be sustained 
and if one third of them on the move every three years, you know that their children can't get proper schooling, and you know they won't get proper health care, and you know that the wealthy situation will be difficult. So um, the discrimination we face in getting um, a house over time uh, of some longevity, rather than it being sold on you, you're moved out because um, somebody can pay a better rate on all, all the rest of it. So, so we've got a problem there. We've got a problem in, in the criminal justice system where regardless of socioeconomic status, if you're Māori, you're four times more likely to be multiple charged and if you're Māori, you're seven times more likely to be jailed. And it's solely on a race-based issue. Now, you, can't, you cannot continue to have um, a, a community, a society in the country that deals with people um, differently solely because of their race. So I've just given you a couple of... Um, uh, metrics uh, which are incontestable that, that we have to fix. Do we have a dilemma as a nation and sometimes drawing a line between racial distinction and racial profiling? Racial profiling always existed, always has um, in, in non Māori society, right? Um, that's why in the early days of the settlement of this country, people were rated as either um, full, half-caste, quarter-caste, and so on, right? Because everything was about integration, assimilation, uh, and all, all, all brown folks should be, if, if at all possible, assimilated to be a nice brown white folk, right? Um, and that, that then pushed our culture and our language out the back door because we all had to become like you, <laughs> like you. And it's wrong, and it's wrong. It's just not right. Is there a case, as New Zealand First claims, to ultimately abolish separate Maori representation in Parliament? Oh, New Zealand First says a lot of things, a lot of the time, but uh, when they get into power, they never do. So um, what, what, uh, what someone barks and bites on in that party and what they achieve are two different things. What I'd say to you is this. Um, Māori never asked for the Māori seats. Uh, they were provided solely on the basis of uh, the South Island <coughs> taking the power from the North Island because of the gold rush in the South Island. No doubt about that, because when, <coughs> when the miners from New South Wales arrived over here and went south down the coast as well as to Otago gold fields, uh, all of a sudden the balance of power relevant... Because to vote those days, you had to have a right in land. They had a mining licence in land so they had a right to vote. The, the Māori communities did not because the land was owned communally, so therefore they could not individually vote uh, for our parliament those days. Mm. The law was changed where three, the, the, the tipping point was the three Māori seats in the North Island, one on the South. Get a load of this. The first four Māori that went to parliament couldn't speak English. We've had we've had Don Brash on our program, and Don Brash has told us, I think more than once, that Tariana Turia had indicated to him she was amenable to abolishing the Maori seats when all the treaty claims were settled. Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't know because I don't have a uh, crystal ball. Uh -huh. <laughs> what, 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 what I what I, do, what I do know is, is that. Um, they're becoming an extraordinary important part of um, keeping the system honest. And uh, they'll remain for so long as um, our people believe they should. 
John, John, the Maori Party seems to have uh, chosen a highly promising candidate for the southern region, Tito Tonga. Uh, Takata Ferris, tell us about him. Well, he's um, our new generation. In fact, there are one, two, three that you would uh, say are our new generation of Maori leaders who have come through the Kohangari or Kurukaupapa Whārikura system um, have done extraordinarily well with their master's degrees and are doing doctorates, have young families um, and are living model lives uh, as ambassadors for all Māori as to how to conduct yourself in um, educating, becoming positive and becoming great parents. Takuta um, is an educationist, um, um, works out of Massey University, um, he is uh, Papa goes into the top of South Island. He's from Ngāti Pro. Um, Naitahu, just for your benefit, uh, Naitahu is named after an ancestor called Tahu Potiki. Tahu Potiki is the younger brother of Parodangi, and the Ngāti Pro people are named after Parodangi. And so his younger brother went to the South Island and begat the tribe there. And so Takut is Ngāti Pro, so he's uh, related into the Naitahu people through that genealogy. Um, he'll do very well because, uh, you know, he's not, him, me, and all my colleagues in the Māori Party, we're not running uh, against our own Māoris in the Māori sect. Mm-hmm. We're, we're running against um, a Pākehā controlled party called the Labour Party. That's all. Right, and in our final moments, how do you rate your chances of being of getting election uh, elected this uh, this coming election? Well, in February, well, in February, uh, we were looking to have the balance of power if we'd won two or three seats. Mm-hmm. Um, then along come COVID, and COVID killed off uh, Simon Bridges and Paula Bennett, so they they've been COVIDized, right? If you look at um, the oxygen that went into the hands of the Prime Minister uh, and the unfettered emergency authority and powers and the fact that the whole nation hung on every word at 1pm every day on the Jacinda show, you'll start to understand that um, huge largesse has been positioned in the hands of the present um, Labour Prime Minister and party as a consequence. Uh, this election is going to be a tough election uh, and, a, and a tough day at the office. What are our chances? The uh, competition in the Māori seats is a totally different election. It's two elections held in this country, <clears throat> one on the general seats and one on the Māori seats on the same day. Are they impacted by what goes on in the major parties? Of course they are. But our people have shown a keen ability and they're the only voter group that has moved uh, in 96. They've moved in 99. They moved in 2005 and 2008. They moved in 2011, and they made a major statement in 2017. This election, we are such a threat to the Labour Party that they've gone back on the list. Mm-hmm. They've John, gone back on the list. 
Yeah, John, the last question I'd like to raise with you. The, that Auckland mayoralty campaign seemed to suggest you could work with anybody because you were backed at that time by two individuals with a, a startling diversity in their affiliations. There was the former National Party president, Michelle Bogue, and former Alliance president, Matt McCartan. So assuming you get representation back in Parliament, which of the other parties would you be comfortable working with? Well, as usual, because I'm liberated and in the Māori Party, I would posit that question to the National Party and the Labour Party. Are they comfortable working with the Māori Party? Now, under the present leadership of the National Party Muller, I would suspect the answer is no. Um, I don't know what Adun's answer would be, but you'd have to ask her. Because here's the issue we've got. It's not who we're working with. We're not going anywhere and we're not going to go away. So who's going to work with us? That's the question. And finally, are there any parties with which you would not be comfortable working with? Well, clearly New Zealand First is problematic. Um, and probably ACT, because you're too far out there. But apart, but apart from that, um, and under the present leadership of um, Muller, it would be very difficult for the Māori Party to work with the National Party. Right, thank you very much indeed. John Tamahiri, it's been great talking with you. Our first interview for quite a long time and thus doubly appreciated. Very grateful to you. Thanks so much indeed. Thanks very much. Listeners, we've been speaking with the Honourable John Tamahiri, former MP, former Cabinet Minister and now co-leader of the Maori Party heading into September's election. That's our program for the week, and this is Neil McMillan closing with a reminder you can catch Pulse of Politics at the same time every week on air, online, or on podcast. You've been listening to Pulse of Politics, broadcast every Sunday evening at 8 o'clock on Otago Access Radio. If you'd like to hear this program again, you can download a podcast from www.oar.org.nz. Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.